0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Thursday, June 24th, 2021. Today's episode is basically all about the Supreme Court ruling on the FHFA and its implications for the mortgage industry. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Candor. Have you heard of Candor yet? As you'll hear shortly, they're gaining groundswell for their dynamic, adaptive, and automated underwriting engine. In case you haven't heard, the Supreme Court ruled that a U.S. president can remove the head of the Federal Housing Finance Agency. In this case, Mark Calabria. Plenty of lenders ask, what now? Who will replace him? Perhaps an economist who knows our business? And when will some of the measures Director Calabria put in place be rolled back? There are some who will tell you that anything put in place by him can be scaled back or eliminated, but anything in conjunction with other entities, like the U.S. Treasury, will take some time to change. It is thought that Director Calabria pretty much wrote the January stock amendment and the Treasury put a rubber stamp on it. This amendment launched the non-owner-occupied second home caps, which have since caused one set of loans to be sold to Freddie or Fannie and one set to private label investors, which begs the question, how are rates set for borrowers with two different execution pricing? It has led to uncertainty and capital markets crews are in the price discovery mode and forcing some lenders to be correspondents and release servicing to aggregators. So, the Supreme Court rejected claims that the FHFA exceeded its authority in the context of profit-sweeping from the GSEs, and concluded that the FHFA's structure violated the separation of powers, giving the president the ability to remove the current FHFA director. So, now what? Think of all the new programs whose testing was put on hold under the current management that might come back. First off, listeners should know that not everyone wants to say, quote, happy trails, end quote, to Director Calabria. Senior fellow John Burlow offered this statement in praise of Calabria's biggest achievement in in a post. Quote, Mark Calabria has served taxpayers and the housing market well in his oversight of the government-sponsored enterprises Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. He halted then, in collaboration with then-Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, he reversed the Third Amendment net worth sweep that left the GSEs stripped of capital and at risk of needing another massive taxpayer bailout. His regulatory capital framework set a course for privatization of the GSEs and reduced their competitive advantage over private housing finance entities. His successor would do well to heed Calabria's excellent stewardship of the GSEs. End quote. Morgan Stanley weighed in quote, While the previous administration said that it was focused on the GSEs leaving conservatorship and that it would get it done reasonably fast, the current administration is much more focused on affordable housing. Biden has outlined a plan to build, preserve, and retrofit more than 2 million homes and commercial buildings to address the affordable housing crisis through a variety of means including tax credits, grants, and the elimination of exclusionary zoning laws. In Biden's presidential campaign, he also ran on a housing platform that specifically involved helping families buy their first homes and build wealth by creating a new refundable, advanceable tax credit of up to $15,000, although this specific policy has not made it into the AJP and has been proposed in a separate bill. We think that the timeline of moving the GSEs out of conservatorship has likely been delayed, and any large-scale changes to their footprint are also both less likely and pushed further into the future. This likely means that the status quo will continue, reducing the likelihood of the GSE footprint getting smaller at the expense of Ginnie Mae Securities and the private label. We think there are a few changes that we could see from the current landscape. One, increased focus on providing access to homeownership. The Biden administration has previously floated a tax credit for first-time homebuyers, which could mean an increase in supply, which would be a negative for agency mortgage-backed securities. We were already on a path toward easier lending standards. An increased focus here has the potential to accelerate the trajectory augmenting demand for shelter and muting, though not negating, the impact of building affordability pressures. Two, in looking to increase access, they could also increase cross-subsidization, where higher credit borrowers subsidize lower credit borrowers. One methodology would be increasing the LLPAs on the top of the credit spectrum while reducing LLPAs at the lower end, which would make their LLPAs look more like Ginny May, which has a constant MIP. Three, we could see an increase in usage slash decrease in restrictions to the programs like ReFi Now or ReFi Possible that allow lower income homeowners to refinance with lower rates, which would be a negative for specified pool stories versus TBAs. Four, If they are looking to widen out the credit box and need to pay for it, we think there is a reasonable chance that the PSPA caps on the current percent of non-owner-occupied loans that could be originated could be removed. This rule currently will result in non-owner-occupied loans going through the private label market. But given the better credit profile of non-owner-occupied loans, we think the GSEs under a different director may want to retain more. This would reduce issuance in the private label market while continuing issuance in the conventional space. Number five. We would assume that if the non-owner occupied loan ruling were removed the restriction on the combination of no more than three percent of refinances and six percent of purchases having more than two-thirds of the following characteristics would also be removed an ltv above 90 dti above 45 and a fico less than 680. six we would keep an eye out for the gse's willingness to acquire gse patch loans on or after july 1st 2021. the mandatory compliance date for the revised qm rule has already been postponed to october 1st 2022 a move that extended the GSE patch to that date. But the GSEs have recently stated that under the guidance of the FHFA, they will only be accepting loans that meet the revised definition as of July 1st, effectively ending the patch later next week. While we do not expect that to dramatically tighten lending standards, aligning more closely with the mandatory compliance data would mean easier lending standards, if only on the margin. Last but not least, number eight. We will be paying attention to any changes with respect to credit risk transfer issuance, Issuance has been curtailed since the onset of COVID-19, with one GSE, Fannie, not issuing since the first quarter of 2020, resulting in over $500 billion of mortgages yet to be referenced in the credit risk transfer. Any changes here could lead to a substantial increase in new issuance volumes. End quote. Many in the mortgage industry were popping champagne bottles yesterday as the Supreme Court threw out a core part of the Collins et al. versus Yellen lawsuit filed by Fannie and Freddie investors that challenged the government's collection of more than $100 billion in profits from the GSEs. The ruling also concluded that FHFA's structure violated the separation of powers, leading to President Biden's ousting FHFA director Mark Calabria, an advocate for releasing Fannie and Freddie from government control. The case had implications for the structure of FHFA, the GSEs, and the outlook for agency MBS, credit risk transfer, and the housing market. Following the ruling, which crushed shareholder hopes regarding reprivatization of the GSEs anytime soon, Fannie and Freddie common stock cratered, plunging the most in intraday trading since 2013. In regard to economic releases, sales of new homes fell in May for the second straight month, declining 5.9% to a 769,000 unit annual rate and sales were revised lower for each of the prior three months. This was the lowest rate since May 2020, though it wasn't due to a lack of inventory as the month's supply of new homes increased to the highest level, 5.1 months, since May 2020. The drop in new home sales reflects increasing affordability challenges for first-time homebuyers and growing frustration about the lack of new and existing homes available for sale. I have an early flight out of Orlando this morning, and in the very early going, rates appear to be pretty much unchanged from Wednesday but we could see some market-moving news in the way of advanced indicators for May, May durable goods orders, final Q1 GDP, which is old news, and weekly jobless claims. Later in the morning this morning brings Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey for the week ending June 24th, June Kansas City Fed manufacturing, and several Fed presidents speaking. The desk of the New York Fed will conduct two operations targeting up to $4.9 billion at 30 or 2% and 2.5%. Yesterday, the 10-year yield closed at 1.49%, which is where we are now with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. When you're swimming in a creek and an eel bites your cheek, that's a moray. <laughs> I like this uh, this other reader submission. He said, What does a robot do during sex? He nuts. And bolts. (laughs) Thanks again to Candor for sponsoring today's podcast. I look forward to hearing more great things. Want to know more? Go to candertechnology.com. Tell them Robbie Christman sent you.